Well, I want to introduce my guest today, and I appreciate her as I do all the other guests who get up and spend time with us here. Her name is, as I said, Carol Copeland Thomas, and she is an award-winning TEDx speaker. She's a trainer, a global thought leader. And since 1987, she moderates the discussions of critical issues affecting the marketplace, including global diversity, equity, inclusion, and multiculturalism. Now, speaking on the Zoom platform as a virtual presenter, Carol keeps her pulse on working professionals' issues and regularly consults with industry leaders. And she spent 35 years cultivating relationships with some of the top people in top organizations around the world. She's the past president of the National Speakers Association New England chapter and served on Black NSA's leadership team. She's been featured in the New York Times, Boston Globe, Black. I this I could go on forever, or I could just welcome her and say hello, and we can talk. Hello, Carol. How are you? Well, how are you? Good morning, and good morning to is it Ted Teddy Teddy? Give me the rest of the name. Teddy Bear. Yes. Teddy Bear. Okay. Teddy, Teddy Bear. Bear. Good morning. Glad to be on your show and to be talking to your wonderful attendees and followers uh, and others who uh, just follow you all the way. So thank you for having me this morning. Oh, it's my pleasure. And the jump starters we call ourselves people who get together and jumpstart every day. So where do we find you? Where in the world are you? I'm in. Bo- I'm outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, great! In, uh, okay. In my home, well, I, I'm in, in my dining room right now, but my home office is here in Lakeville, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. Now, was I to understand from your bio that you're doing almost exclusively Zoom-based speeches now? I was, and uh, that is beginning to shift now where I would say it's probably going to be 50-50, where I will have 50% of my training sessions, keynotes, et cetera, that will be virtual, and then the remainder will be in person. In fact, I just did a virtual presentation in February that has yielded a significant uh, face-to-face contract that I'll be doing for probably a year or two. Wow. Wonderful. Congratulations. So you you have been in this for 35 years. How has your business evolved during that time? Oh, it's evolved quite a bit. With anyone uh, in any kind of business, you you have to pivot. You know, certainly we learned how to pivot two years ago with COVID. Uh, I was already on Zoom, had been on Zoom at that point for uh, about four years, now about six years, thanks to friends and colleagues who uh, urged and helped me to learn the ropes and uh, being a member of the National Speakers Association for a long, long time has also helped out. So I, I, the, the technology piece was not an issue. It was just a matter of corralling everything and making sure that everything was in alignment and then moving forward. But just because of life issues, I've had to pivot in the past. So pivoting is something that I do kind of normally and naturally. And I realize in business, you have to pivot. 
You have to change. You have to pivot. You have to make things work in alignment with uh, the demographics and technology and other dynamics that our society faces. And housing crises and pandemics and everything else. I mean, those things just simply happen. And like you said, we do have to be ready to pivot. I did more speeches, uh, 30% more last year than I had done the year previously, which had been a big year and it was all virtual. So it's amazing how we can and do and should, should pivot. Well, I know that diversity is an important subject for you, and I want to ask you why diversity is relevant today's today's workplace. There's over seven million seven billion people in the world, <clears throat> over three hundred and thirty thousand here in the United States. We only represent five percent of the world's population. So, from an American point of view, yes, we have foundations and standards and traditions and companies that have started here, like Amazon and Facebook, et cetera. But we can't ignore the rest of the world. And as we have individuals who come to this country, families who come to this country, their traditions then uh, become a part of ours and just all kinds of dynamics take place because you have uh, individual issues, beliefs, philosophies, etc. All that represents diversity. So diversity is understanding, managing, and ultimately grasping the dynamics of similarities and differences at the same time. So anyone, uh, not just in America, obviously, but all over the world has to be ready to accept change, to accept the traditions that are certainly are very beneficial for us, but also to begin to critically examine the way that we interface with other people. And sometimes, maybe just sometimes, you're the one who has to change, not the other person. Mm, absolutely. It, <laughs> it all starts with us, doesn't it? It does. It does. And it, as you were speaking, it reminds me of gold. Uh, when you when you make gold into jewelry, et cetera, that the purer the gold, the softer it is, the more likely it is to ding, to scratch, to break. But the more diverse it is with other ingredients, the stronger and the more resilient it is. I think the same is true for all organizations and all companies, is, is, is that what led you to, uh, I didn't realize as a member of NSA, there was Black NSA. Could you tell me about that? Because I'd like to know more. Black NSA is over 25 years old. We actually celebrated our 25th anniversary before COVID around 2018 or so. It started off as a group of small, a group, small group of speakers led by Thelma Wells, who was a legend in our organization. She gathered uh, speakers like Willie Jolly and ultimately people like Ed Robinson and Lenora Billings Harris and others in her home first when NSA had their convention in Dallas where she is located. And uh, they wanted to continue to meet just to, to have uh, a chance to connect with other black speakers, to compare notes, et cetera. And so it has become a, a business dynamic that now just doesn't, uh, doesn't involve black speakers. There are all kinds of speakers ethnically who are part of Black NSA. Um, Marquesa Petway led it for a number of years. Now she's stepped off and 
We have dynamic leaders like Ann McNeil, who was also on the NSA board, who has also been a part of Black NSA for many, many years. So there are lots of people who are involved in that. And one of the things right now, uh, certainly for the last couple of years that it's concentrated on, is helping our members to understand the power of not only networking, but masterminding. So uh, Ann McNeil is an expert in terms of masterminding. She uses a think and grow rich philosophy, intertwines that into masterminding. And so there have actually been masterminding courses that uh, Black NSA has sponsored for the last couple of years. Very, very effective. Shows how I am not keeping my head up when I'm at NSA to pay attention to know about this. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear about it. I think that's oh, yeah. wonderful. What do you think um, is the thing preventing organizations for embracing greater diver- diversity? Fear. What, are, what are some of the causes? Fear predominantly and, and how so? Fear is one of them. I, I, I think that, and I hear this sometimes, uh, diversity can be a, a controversial issue. Uh, diversity, unfortunately, now has been politicized. You take concepts like the critical race theory, which was a framework, F-R-A-M-E-W-O-R-K, a framework that was created by law professors like the late Derek Bell, um, current law professors like Kimberly Crenshaw and others looking at systemic issues that contribute to discrimination in the United States, which then became a part of the critical race theory. So it's a theory, it's a framework, it's never been taught in schools. Uh, I've been in this business a long time. I know the best of the best. I've worked with them. I've been in uh, uh, organizations with them like the Diversity Collegium. We never taught critical race theory. Unfortunately, it's now been politicized by right-wing groups. And so when you have uh, individuals um, and and initiatives and strategies like that that are happening, along with um, the attacks on the trans community, the LGBTQ community and others, you have um, unfortunately a mix of toxicity that uh, pushes people away, makes them not really want to talk about or address the issues because things have been so politicized. So my job and what I do is to come in and help to demystify some of the dynamics that take on helping people and organizations to see their strengths and their values and the collaborative nature. I I talked about similarities and differences. We actually work with that so that they can see the progressive important value of diversity that will help people to include and increase their productivity both on and off the job. That's wonderful. When I speak on complaining, I talk about that people complain for only five reasons. And one of them is power, that nothing gets people to follow you faster than power, Uh, excuse me, rather than complaining. Um, And so to demonize a group is can upset people also to find something exceedingly petty and to make a really big deal out of it, like critical race theory which uh, is, I think, a very valuable discussion to have. Um, It it just, it it stops the conversation. When you attack, you get other people riled, but that's about as far as you go. And you keep them listening and watching. 
And, and what happens too, Will, is when you don't uh, talk about important issues, I mean, critical race theory, again, is, is one concept, but just so many other aspects of diversity. Disability is one. You talked about foot surgery that you had and appreciating people at the airport who were helping you and wheeling you from one terminal to the other, or certainly from the, the lobby area through security and, and, and onto the gate. I talk a lot about diversity now and, and disability because it is such a an important factor of diversity. So when you understand all these different uh, characteristics and categories, you, you talk about multiculturalism, you talk about culture and an iceberg culture where we see some things on the surface, but there's so many more things underneath that we react to and have be behavioral changes to. So when you understand the depth and the importance of diversity and you, you, you clarify your own misconceptions, it can lead to, uh, again, a much better workplace as you gave the example about gold. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because not only was I appreciative of the people who pushed the wheelchairs, I felt vulnerable at the airport. Now, normally, I just feel like most people kind of stressed and hurried, but I felt vulnerable. I was so concerned someone was going to bump somebody or something with my foot, etc. And it made me realize that there are people that this is their life. Correct. That is so true. I in, in one of my segments, I'm working with a couple of groups now here in, in Massachusetts and in California and elsewhere, have a whole segment on disability tips that I didn't pull out of a, a website or whatever. I actually have talked with people in the disability community who have graciously given me these tips so that we know if, let's say, you are speaking and you are presenting online and you have your PowerPoint slides or your keynote slides, the slides come up and you have words on the slides, don't assume everybody can comprehend what's taking place. Go on and read, if you can't read all of it, read some of the highlights of each slide so that you aid and help people and assist them to understand your message, those kind of things. If someone is blind and you wanna help them to move across the street or across the room, or you wanna take them down a, a flight of steps, don't assume that they want your help. Ask them for their help. And then typically they'll ask for your elbow and then you will guide them to their destination. Also, if uh, the wheelchair example, again, that you had, Will, you, you're in a wheelchair, someone's in a wheelchair, they're accompanied by a sky cap um, or uh, somebody who is assisting them, a relative. Sometimes people will talk to that person and not talk to the person in the chair. If the person in the chair obviously is incapacitated, you can't speak to them. But if they can hear and communicate, then you want to talk to them and ask them about their issues, their medication, et cetera. And then you can refer to the, uh, the person who is helping them. So I have those kind of very practical tips websites that you can go to where you can learn about this important issue of disability. And remembering it's about 13% of people have trouble going up and down the steps and most uh, disabilities are invisible. Wow. Most disabilities are invisible. Does that mean uh, emotional, mental we're talking predominantly? 
that could be a part of it. You know, that's PTSD, etc. Under the neurodiversity title. So yes, that is a part of it. But also things that you can't see. Got so it. somebody may have uh, chronic arthritis, rheumatoid, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Perhaps they had uh, both knees replaced. Um, I have a friend who just had her shoulder replaced. That's what I'm talking about, where you can't physically see it, but that person now is having to go through a rehabilitation process or an adaptation process that then puts them in that category temporarily or for a longer period of time. Right. Technically, I am because I've got a, a disabled parking pass now. There you go. So exactly. once again, my guest is Carol Copeland Thomas. I just posted her website in the comment section. Check her out at carolcopelandthomas.com. Mm-hmm. You have been through some life challenges. I know we all have. How do we, what are you, what are your takeaways or your tips to overcome challenges? In life? Mm, I, I love your, your title and the, the main message that you have in terms of stop complaining. I've been through divorce. My uh, 17-year-old son was killed in a car accident uh, about six to eight days after graduating from high school with his twin sister. I've had other issues. My mother died 11 months after my son passed away. I've had to move. I've had lots of things, some I would never wish on anyone, certainly the death of a child, just because it, it is an enormous event. You learn how to breathe and how to move on. And in part, I learned that there's some things you cannot control, but you certainly have a frame of reference and a mindset that you can manage. And uh, in, in the case of my son's passing away and being at his funeral on June 19th, 1997, after he had passed away on June 14th, 1997, when I sat in my in the church that I used to belong to, um, that's still very near and dear to my heart, where we had the service because it was so big, when I think about the 200 plus young people who paraded down the aisle to see him one last time in that casket. That was a reminder to me that number one, I had two other living children that I had to see into adulthood. And number two, there were all of these young people and so many more who needed my words of encouragement, my outlook on life so that they could then go on. So that was one example where I learned where I had to overcome my own horrific fear, my own horrific um, uh, remorse, my own horrific sadness and mourning because there was another day ahead and another day ahead and another day ahead and things that had to be done that only I was responsible for. So that is an example of uh, the worst of the worst. There's still a rising in the morning. There's still things that can be done. And as I just did a a blog uh, on uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, our new Supreme Court justice, and the prolific speech that Cory Booker gave after she had been vilified, attacked during the Senate hearings by some of the senators, And he said, no one is going to steal my Senate joy, talking about her accolades and just the power that she brought uh, to her accomplishments and where she was headed in terms of being 
uh, confirmed, which he was confirmed 53 to 47. But he just talked about you know, developing a level of resilience and hope so that your attitude can push you through some of the attack modes that you find yourself in, the negative experiences that you find yourself in. I really believe that. My uh, former mother-in-law used to talk about, don't let anyone steal your joy. So when I heard Cory Booker say that, I could really relate to that. And so often we have to be joyful for other people who are sad where we can help them to overcome their obstacles. That is so true. And we, it's a great reminder that we are responsible for our own joy, even in the presence of other people's lack of joy or uh, discord, etc. It's interesting to me, though, as you talk about resilience, it seems that we only develop resilience by going through difficult things. Would you agree to that? And if so, would you comment? Well, that, that's a good point. And it's sad that you have to, from a reactionary perspective, from a, a post perspective, whatever your issues are, job loss, pay loss, uh, loss from COVID, uh, all these kind of disappointments that can take place, just one setback after the other. It, it oftentimes builds your resilience and it builds your level of strength. Uh, I'm a faith-based person. I, I believe um, in, in my religious beliefs. Um, they are very important in my life. And I find that when you have something, a higher power, some kind of a, a way that you can draw on strength from others, all of those things can help to gird you, to help you through some of the difficult times that we have. You use gold as an example. I'll use diamonds as, as an example. We talk about diamonds in the rough, and it's only through sanding and the whole purification process and the manufacturing process that then brings out the brilliance in a diamond. Well, we're just like diamonds. Sometimes we have to get knocked around, kicked around, stomped around. It's not a matter of being pushed down. It's a matter of getting up. And sometimes you have to get up over and over and over and over again. I am a witness to that in order to move you to where you have to go. So you learn how to develop that kind of strength through your problems and your troubles and do it in a very resilient and uh, a level of what my mother used to say, my late mother, take the high ground on some of the issues and the things that you face. Wow. Well, again, uh, I want to thank you. And I also want to say uh, my, my heart goes out to you for your loss. And I know having uh, not experienced it, but been with a lot of people and good friends that that's a that's an enduring thing that sounds like sounds like you have certainly used to polish your diamond. And I, I think that's my best. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Now, if I was looking, I you sent me something that said you have a free comprehensive media report. Is that right? Um, I do. And if uh, individuals reach out to me at tellcarol at mac.com, I'll be happy to send it to them. Tell Carol with an E uh -huh. at, at mac.com. And that report has a, um, a, a balanced approach to the various media outlets that are out there, both uh, in both national here in the U S and international. So that people that really think that you need to get your news from a variety of sources. And this 
uh, document will actually do that. Good. That is wonderful. I agree with that 100%. If you're going to get the news, try and get it as balanced as you can because enrage and engage, as I was talking about earlier, the more you upset people, the more you polarize them, the more vehemently they will consume whatever social media you have. True. Well, if you put media guide in the subject line and mm -hmm. send it to tell, tell Carol at Mac.com, I will send it right out to you. Sounds great. This is my chance. To remind you to like, comment, and share, this is how we build this positive online community wherever, whenever you are watching this. We appreciate you being here. No more, no more complaining people. Their lives are changing. We're flying high, creating a complaint-free world. No more, no more complaining people. Their lives are changing. Flying high, creating a complaint free.